You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Welcome, everyone. We are with Joseph James from Meet Joseph James. I love that. You know, we have to start including ourselves as as more. We we begin to separate ourselves from from what we do. So I love that. His podcast is Purpose Through Pain. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm very honored. So I, I know there's a story behind this purpose through pain. Usually it's from pain of our own that leads us through to this. So can you fill us in on a little bit of your background and what led you here? Absolutely. You know, everybody in life experiences some sort of degree of pain. It can be from rejection from our parents, rejection from other loved ones, even relationships, maybe even the loss of somebody from myself I thought and I started the podcast with the idea of sharing my story or my family's journey with the loss of my wife. But the more I got into it, the more I realized how as I begin my own healing process, I begin to realize how far and how deep my pain really went. And it stemmed all the way back to my childhood that dealt with rejection, abandonment, um, you know, always looking for affirmations from my father, always looking for approval from my father. I grew up in a very abusive home. My dad was physically, mentally, um, emotionally abusive to us. The only thing that I know of in terms of my uh, my siblings is there was no sexual abuse, okay? But when I say we got it, we got it, you know? Mm. And it went on to, you know, of course, my mother was also abused as well. And it went from living in that life and that style to when my mom passed away, I really wished it was my dad because I didn't have a relationship with him. I, I, I hated him. And so the purpose or the, 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 the premise behind the podcast and the purpose through pain is, is because of the fact that everybody in their life experiences some sort of pain to some degree that can set us back. I mean, trauma leads to shame. We live in that aspect of shame and we shame ourselves. We may point fingers at other people, but at the end of the road, we are shaming ourselves. We're blaming ourselves. I, I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have done this. And so, with that, growing up that way and then living, you know, my, my dad not, I hated my dad, but then my dad died, my best friend, 14 years after my mom passed away. And then 22 days later, after my dad passed away, my wife passes away. Mm. And I started the next year, the next couple of years, just discovering who I was, discovering who I was really truly was and who I was called to be and going through healing. And in the midst of all of it, I found my purpose through pain. Wow. I, 
I wanna I wanna learn more about the purpose. I wanna dig into that, but I'm really curious. You said um, that when your father left, he was your best friend. Yes. Um, how how did you get from hating your father to your father being your best friend? Absolutely. So when my mom passed away, this was actually a, a few years prior to my mom passing away. I, I grew up in a faith-based family. We were at church all the time. I, I always kid and make the joke that my parents had a drug ministry. They drug us to church every time the doors were open. You know, it was Saturday morning, Saturday night. It was Wednesday night. It was um, Friday night prayer, Saturday night intercession or fellowship, and then back again on Sunday. So there wasn't too many days of the week that we weren't at church. And so I had that foundation in my life and I always stayed in church. And even though my dad lived that way, I was actually following in those footsteps. I had hatred in my life. I didn't like people. And I saw myself following in his footsteps when I went to go join the Marine Corps because my dad was a 20-year retired veteran. And I, 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 when I say I hated, I hated people. Now, I didn't act violently against them, maybe my younger sister, but that, you know, that was about it. Uh, that was sibling hate, you know? But... Um, I just had this spirit of hatred on me. And I remember standing at the top of my steps when I made the decision to join the Marine Corps and it dawned on me, like I'm following right in the footsteps of my dad. Mm. And I said this little prayer, it was just simple as simple can be. And I said, God, don't let me be like my dad. And every bit of it broke. It was just gone. No more hatred, no more uh, uh, discontent. Now I didn't have a great relationship with my dad, but he was still my dad. Okay. And so when my mom passed away or just prior to that, uh, maybe a, a year or two prior to that, I went up to my dad and we were sitting in church and I said, dad, I want to let you know, I forgive you for everything that you've done. And his response back to me was, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. And in my rational mind, I'm like, you beat your kids, you beat your wife. How do you not know that that's wrong? In, in any rational mind, how could you not know? And and that's what I'm thinking. And he just made the comment. He says, I did what I was taught to do because that's how his dad treated him. So he only knew one thing. I mean, come on, Jonathan, is there really a book on how to parent kids? <laughs> no, I need one. <laughs> it's, it's right beside the book that how to grieve. Yeah. You know, and they're in this obsolete library that nobody can ever find, you, you know? Um, and so you know, I, I had to start over the next couple of years, I had to start putting myself in his shoes. I didn't understand it, but I immediately went to a friend of mine that was roughly my dad's age. And he said, Joseph, he says, you have to understand where he's coming from with what he was exposed to. And so then when my mom passed away, I don't know if it was a week or two later, or maybe a month ago, a month later, but we're all together. My, my two sisters and my brother, I'm the third child. And my dad, and we're at the grave site. So I think it was a couple of weeks later where they where the marker was now placed. And my dad pulled us aside and he said, I just want to ask for your forgiveness and tell you that I'm sorry. And that was the start of the healing. That was the start of if this man right here can humble himself enough to say, I'm sorry, and see a man that's broken then I know I can do it too. 
And Mm. then just over the next 14 years, it was nothing out of the ordinary. It was nothing special. I wasn't trying to make up lost time. My dad wasn't trying to make up lost time, you know, um, and it's actually the next year I moved to out of North Carolina, out of my hometown and to Louisiana. So now I'm 13 hours away from my dad. So it was all conversation on phone and, and it took a little pushing at times. I, um, my dad was not the most conversational person on the phone. You know, he'd spend five minutes, 10 minutes on the phone. He's like, Hey, my phone's heating up and uh, I got to go kind of thing. But I just made it purposeful through my brother doing it, him kind of, Hey man, you need to call dad, you know, and just continually keeping that up where I now started. It wasn't like things started off fresh, but I just had to start the building process, you know, Mm. and, and that's kind of how it started. And of course, you know, I started having kids and I wanted him to be a part of their life, but I wanted him to be a granddad. He didn't need to father my children. He didn't need to discipline them. He didn't need to spank them. That was my job or my, my, my job as a father to discipline my children, how I chose to do so. I needed him just to be a granddad. And that was it. And when we had those talks, it's like things slowly just begin to chip off of my dad, you know, and And that's how the healing process started. There was nothing magical. There was nothing that we specifically did. It's just, we allowed time to heal wounds, but we took action during that time. I'm just Mm -hmm. getting on the phone, just talking, being a son, being a father. When I'd go home and visit, I'd surprise him or we'd go fishing or do something that dad and son should have done when they were younger. Mm. So you use this pain, it creates your purpose. What's your purpose? It's a good question. My purpose is to influence every person I can ever come in contact with and allow them to understand that no matter what pain that they go through, pain can do one of two things. Pain is pain. Number one, pain is life's greatest teacher. It's also life's biggest crutch. But if we can learn that pain can launch us into our destiny, it can set us free for the things that we're being held captive by and that we can share it with other people. And that's ultimately what I want to be able to do is influence people that no matter what they've gone through, no matter what it is, it's a reason because we can't touch, Jonathan, what we cannot feel. I truly can't sit there and tell somebody that's been divorced saying, I know how you feel because I don't, I I don't know what it's like to be divorced. I saw my brother go through it. It It's very, very harsh on him because he was, you know, provided for his family, did a lot of things. I watched my older sister lose her son to suicide, but I don't know how that feels, but I do know what it's like to grow up in an abusive home, dealt with rejection, abandonment, uh, needing approval all the time. And where the rejection stemmed from my father to now trying to go out and have a girlfriend and trying to meet somebody. And I didn't like the word no. And that stemmed into business because when you're in sales, what do you hear the most of? No. And so one thing after another just led to more things. And then it led to, of course, you know, me losing my wife and, and things. But I know what it's like to hate my dad and then him die my best friend and my mom die when I really wished it was my dad. But then him die my best friend and then lose my wife. So I was, I was able to take those things right there and know that all those things that I went through 
is that I can help, I can touch other people. When someone says, Joseph, man, I lost my wife or I lost my husband or, you know, I, 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 my father and I have a hateful relationship, a hated relationship. I can sit there and say, I know how you feel because I know trauma. I know grief. I know pain. I know discontent and resentment and rejection. And that's the things that I do know. But ultimately, we can't touch what we can't feel. And so ultimately, I want to be able to influence others that they can help people through the pain that they've gone through and mm. find a way to find their purpose through it. So pain can either be a crutch or lead you to your destiny. Yes. Was there a time bef before it started leading you to your destiny? Did you feel that it was a crutch? You know, at times, yes, because, you know, as, you know, when I, when I think about it now as a 43-year-old, when I look back now, when I'm going through my healing process, I didn't realize how much rejection was a crutch mm. and the pain of it. Because like I said, that pain from my dad, I did everything I possibly could to get attention from my dad. And I would get it for a, for a period of time and then it would... I, it would be exposed, so to say, for my dad, you know, and then that went into looking for relationships, then that went into business. And so rejection has has haunted me my whole life where I, 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 I say this kind of jokingly, but I, I, I say that I missed a multi-million dollar, possibly billionaire, billion dollar idea that could have led to me being a multimillionaire or a billionaire. And that was back in the 2003 timeframe when somebody mentioned to me about starting, I was looking to buy into a gym franchise. That was my life was just lifting, exercise, fitness. And my investor fell through and I, I didn't really know a lot about business or who I can go through for investing. And somebody mentioned to me, says, why don't you start a 24 hour turnkey gym? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you can access it 24 hours a day. And instead of having a an, an open mindset like man that's a really good idea let me get to work on that i had a limited belief system and i immediately said the word no because that's what i was most familiar with but if i felt that i said no first i wasn't being rejected mm. and i said no that will never work insurance would never approve it now that's 2003 you didn't have franchises of of, of gyms and, and planet fitness and lifetime fitness and any none of that existed so I always say, I'm like, I missed my possibly billionaire, billion dollar idea to be one of the first ones to open up a 24 hour access gym. So yeah, it became a crutch. I just didn't realize it at the time that it was a crutch in my life until I started going through the healing process. So talk, talk to me about the healing process. I mean, you spoke about your dad and, and it was just over time you got together. Um, but, but what else is there? Is, is, that, is that simply what it is, healing process and make connection? Or what else was a part of your personal healing process? Yeah, so a couple things. I kept on getting this question after my, my, after my dad and wife passed away January of 2019. I kept on getting this question from people like, how can you remain so positive with a smile on the face in the midst of so much tragedy, so much trauma? And to begin with, I didn't know. I had no idea. And it was about 10 months later. It was November. It was Thanksgiving timeframe. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. And this is something that I teach on, um, you know, in our coaching. 
about four pillars. And basically it's four things that I was doing that helped me in my healing process. The number one thing that I had to come and actually number one came at the very last of things really but the, the very first thing that I had to learn how to do to help in my feeling, healing process was forgive myself. Hmm. You know, we may have a struggle or we may get to a point of forgiving other people, but a lot of times we never forgive ourselves. And so I had to forgive myself of, you know, taking on the rejection, taking on the abandonment, taking on all those things, the hatred and the trauma and the grief that I allow to enter into my own heart and soul that caused me to number one, hate my dad, to cause me to blame myself after my wife passed away. You know, so number one is I had to forgive myself and take spirituality out of it. Cause I know not everybody is, is, is faith-based or has a spiritual background, but at the end of the day, you still have the power to say, you know what? It is what it is. I couldn't help it. I made the best decisions for what I knew at that time and the knowledge that I have and if I would do it over again today, I would do it differently. And that's okay. That's completely okay. But as a seven, a six, seven-year-old going to, how do we even really know what rejection or what forgiveness is? But I carried it for so many years. So the first thing I had to do was, number one, is I had to forgive myself. Number two, the second pillar is I had to start creating goals, dreams, and visions. Okay? Now, in business, you listen to Tony Robbins, you listen to Grant Cardone, you listen to some of these big guys, and they talk about one, three, five, 10-year goals. Forget that. That's too big. When you're going through something like I went through, and this is not to exclude anybody else and what they've gone through in pain, because everybody's pain is still very hurtful. But for me, losing my dad, losing my wife, friends telling me you'll never make it as a single father, of three kids. I've got a one-year-old that now roughly about 60 days after my wife passed away is fighting for his life as being life supported or life um, um, transported to another hospital because he was malnutrition. He was vomiting and diarrhea, everything that he ate. And, you know, he spent 45 days in the hospital, took doctors 30 days to figure out he was, he had celiac disease, which is he can't eat anything gluten, mm. which is in most foods. You know, but what he was eating was actually killing him. So it was just one thing after another. And so for me, the, the goals became, I just, I, I don't want to get out of bed. So forget the one-year goal about being plugged back into your business. I needed to get out of bed. But before I need to get out of bed, I'm like, I just don't even, unless I absolutely had to like use the bathroom or if my kids were really yelling for me to do something, I... No, I didn't. I had I had no desire to get out of bed. So first to me was just the goal of I'm going to sit up in bed. I'm just gonna sit up. If that's all I do today, it's still a goal that I can reach. And then maybe a week later, I put my feet on the floor. Maybe a day or two later, I I get out of the bed and I move to a couch in the same room or a chair. And all I did is make small goals to start doing things to create a schedule in which I can live by. So it became sitting up in bed to getting out of bed, to going to another room and sitting on the couch to now fixing food, you know, now doing just one thing after another. So the second thing is I had to create the goals, dreams, and visions. And, and as they progressively got better, then I started to expand my mindset. I started to make the, the one week, 
the two week, the three week, the one month, you know, I still wasn't even concentrated on one year. Okay. In my mind, I'm like, I want to find myself. Well, what does that mean? You know, I'm still trying to find myself and I'm 43, you know. <laughs> um, the third thing is, and this is, I think, really, really important, and this helped me tremendously, is taking time to grieve. And what I mean by that is when you are grieving all day long, you can become in a state of depression and just, you know, just doing nothing all day long. It's kind of like, you know, the, the, the drizzle rain outside and it's cold and it's nasty. It just lasts all day. And it's like, man, when are we just going to get some sunshine? It just seems like it's lasting forever. Okay. And it just kind of puts a damper on our own spirit. Well, grieving all day long will do that to you. So what I started doing and recognized that I was doing is I was taking 15 minutes at a time to grieve. And then I would dry my tears up. I I'd go back to doing my regular thing and put my mind to something else. Now, five minutes later, I may be grieving again, okay? But what I wasn't doing is I wasn't spending the whole entire day grieving to where it changed my mindset that I was doing nothing that would energize me or change my mindset or change my outcome or look at things differently. And the way I discovered that, Jonathan, is, is when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, she's diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, is I would do a Facebook live video sharing our journey. And I would do it for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then I would, and I would do it in my car or I would go outside and do it, but I would never, I would hardly ever do it in my house where I was going to be emotional and I was going to be crying because for me, I was in front of people and allowed me to be open, do my grieving, do the crying, do the laughing, whatever I needed to do. But then when I went back inside my house, I had to be the strong person. Because if I wasn't and I allowed my wife to see me grieve, it put her into depression. Mm. And then, of course, I now at that time, I had an eight-year-old, I had a six-year-old, and I had an infant. I had a six-week-old, you know, and then, of course, grew over the, you know, the period of that time before my wife passed. So the third pillar was me taking time to grieve. And this last one, I think, is one of the most important and I think forgiveness is the most important, but this one right here is if you do all the first three, you, I don't believe that you'll make it out completely. And the fourth one is this, is finding someone to help and helping them. Hmm. Okay. And the reason why that's so important is when we shift our focus off of ourselves and onto other people, we'll see how much enlightenment we gather by giving other people information and knowledge and help and understanding through their situation. And a lot of time the bell starts going off or the light bulb starts going off in our own minds. Like, man, that's good, man. I need to do that myself. You know? And when I started to help other people, I was really helping myself in all the midst of it. Mm. And I was able to fast track myself, so to say, through my own journey of, getting my daily dream or my, my, my daily uh, goals, dreams, and visions, walking through my own unforgiveness, and then also taking my time to grieve. Your kids were pretty young when you were, were learning about this journey, right? I mean, you said my first goals were not get out of bed, sit up in bed. So, um, and now you're here, successful podcast, huge, huge podcast, coaching people. And they, they've witnessed you going through 
this whole process. You know, I've spoken to other, I've spoken to other people, and and you know, they're they they're already on the other side of that journey, and they're here, and then they have kids, and and so it's a part of their life. But it was different for you watching you go through that, and I'm just curious. I know you can't speak for them, but how how did how did your relationship with them change? Or I, I don't even know what my real question is here, but I'm curious about that relationship and how it evolved as you went through the journey. Absolutely. So one thing to give a little history about my wife um, and her battle with, with cancer is at the age of 36, her mother gave birth to my wife, okay? And three months later died of ovarian cancer, mm. okay? It was discovered the day she gave birth to my wife. So again, now let's look at the psychological thing, even though at the time, my wife as a brand new baby infant couldn't process this, but there's rejection and abandonment right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Even though she doesn't know how to process it as an infant. On top of that, her dad, okay. Her biological father pretty much went to her aunt and uncle and said, Hey, look, I'm busy with life. I need to finish college. Can you watch the baby for a couple days? Well, long story short, a couple days turned into 23 years of her life until she was married. Hmm. Okay. So again, now on top of that, you've got more abandonment because you had that repeated history of, yeah, I'll come pick you up. And it never happens. Okay. So in the back of my wife's, my wife's mind is the fear of passing away the same way her mother did. And at the age of 36, same, same age as her mother, my wife was diagnosed six weeks after giving birth to her third child with stage four colon cancer. Now she made it to 37. She only lived 11 more months after, um, after she was diagnosed. But one thing that I made a pack with myself is that I would not give my children what my wife's father gave her. And that was abandonment. Mm. And so I knew that I had to step up to the plate. Now I already had two kids, eight and six at the time or nine and nine and seven at the time. And, but yet men aren't nurturers. It's not who God created us to be or created to be providers. Okay. And so now all of a sudden, even though I had an eight and a six-year-old, I had to do the nurturing. I had to play the mother role. And I don't care how long you have kids for, when you are living in a dual parented family, the mother's going to be the nurturer, okay? And now all of a sudden I'm in a single parent home and I'm having to do the nurturing that I have never done. And all of a sudden I'm like, what am I supposed to do? How am I now supposed to be a father, a true father and a mother, so to say, to an eight and six-year-old that I've raised and co-parented with for the last eight and six years? You know, I felt lost. And then on top of that, throw an infant in there. My wife passed away three weeks after he turned one years old. So... Now, all of a sudden, I'm being thrown in the mix. And the only thing I knew to do is don't leave them. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do everything wrong. 
but I'm going to do it wrong with the attitude of, I'm going to keep trying until I figure this out. And I knew one thing that I needed to do that I had not done like I should have done is I needed to create memories with my children so that they would never forget who their dad is, Hmm. as well as never forget who their mother is. And so that was what brought us as a family closer together, um, that we're still able to, we still have our moments, uh, you know, three, January would be three years and we're still going through certain things. Um, but thank God for his grace and his love that we're able to go through it as a family. And, you know, my daughter, she's very, very strong. She actually got up and spoke at my wife's funeral, uh, unrehearsed, unannounced, and spoke for three minutes and three or four minutes and just put people on their knees, you know, and to come from at that time, uh, I think she was right at 10, almost 11 to come out of the mouth of a 10 year old was extremely powerful and the courage that it had. And that only came from just her watching her own mother fight and then watching me support her fight and helping her fight. It was, it was not just a journey for my wife. It was a journey for all of us. And so it brought us together through it, knowing that we were all there together. This huge tragedy and difficulty, you know, for you as a husband, but then as a father, three kids, young kids losing their mother, I, I, I can't imagine. I know it happens, but I haven't experienced that. Um, but this pain has launched this successful career. How do you make sense of of the tragedy being the foundation of your current success? You know, I I don't know that I can honestly wrap my head around it. Um, I just know this and being being somebody that's faith-driven, believes in God, believes in prayer, believes in miracles, you know, I never really thought that my wife was going to die, even with stage four, even with a stage four diagnosis. Now, our first chemotherapist or or oncologist um, said, there's really no hope for you guys, you know? And so we got into the boxing ring already half beat up, you know? And so, but I just... I felt the power and the presence of God through this journey. Then I'm like, okay, God, you're going to have the last say so in this. And even though it didn't end the way I wanted it to, the way I thought it to, I thought it was going to, I happened to watch a video of a pastor preaching the night my wife passed away. And I'd actually saw it six months prior. And it only lasted, it was the very end of a sermon, it only lasted for about two, two and a half minutes. And When I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, babe, this is for you. This is why you're going through cancer so you can help other people. And I don't even know, I make the joke, I'm like, I don't even know if my wife ever listened to it, okay? But the night that she was about to pass away, I'm I'm watching her go through the stages of death, okay? And I'm scrolling through her Facebook messenger and I'm answering everybody that's sending their condolences. I'm personally messaging them, telling them thank you. And I scroll across this video and I listened to it. And when I got done, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I says, oh my God, this was never for her. It was for me. And 
it talks about what the pastor was saying. It says in, in the book of Hebrews in the Bible, it says, for we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And so it just goes on to say that Jesus, every time Jesus was moved with compassion, but he couldn't touch what he couldn't feel. And that's why he went through the enduring process of dying on the cross and, and, and those things. And so we go through these things so we can, again, touch other people that have gone through those such things. And that's what ministry, that's what influence is all about. And that's where I get the, the phrase of you can't touch what you cannot feel. And so to sit here and, and hear the stories of people, their lives being changed because of what I went through, I don't know if that I'll ever wrap my head around it, but it took every question out of my mind that I could have ever asked God of why he didn't intervene, why he didn't save my, my wife, because he could have, but it wasn't his plan to. He had other plans, plans that are way bigger than my, my, own, my own mind. But the fact that I know that what she went through and what my family went through is that I can be touched by it to be able to touch and minister, to talk, to influence, to inspire, to encourage other people, then it's all worth it. Every bit of it. What do you say to people who come to you and they're just filled with this tremendous pain? Not the same pain that you had, different experience, but they're, Joseph, this is, this is my pain. What do you say to them? You know, I don't, I, I'm always careful in the words saying, I know how you feel, okay? Because I may not know their exact experience, but at the end of the day, pain is pain. Whether you smash your finger with a hammer or whether you burn your hand on a stove or whether you lose somebody, you know, in a car accident, it's still painful. What I have to make sure that I'd never do is compare my pain to theirs because it can't be compared because everybody processes pain differently. So what I ultimately say is I know the painful emotions that you're having. And I know where pain can take you, where it can keep you, but also how you can use it to your benefit. Hmm. And with those three things right there is now I start just helping them go through the healing process. And to begin with, that's simply just letting people talk. Just being quiet and let them talk and just be that listening ear. Because a lot of people that are going through pain, they just want somebody to talk to. They, they don't need somebody to reason with them. They don't need somebody to say, yeah, I understand you. They just need somebody to express to. When you look yourself in the mirror, what do you say to yourself? Change your mindset, change your world. Hmm. I have to, because if I don't, I know, I know where I grew up. I know how I grew up and how my mind was so influenced by somebody that I loved and cared for, but yet how much it hindered me throughout my whole entire life. I look at other people that I know that are successful as fathers, as business leaders, as, you know, entrepreneurs or, you know, um, as professional athletes. And I'm like, man, I wish I could have that mindset. You know, and it's probably the wrong thing to say because I can't have the mindset. 
but I have to change my mindset. And when I can continue to live in the aspect of whatever it may be, whether it's just healing, whether it's being a successful, successful entrepreneur, or maybe just being a, a successful father in the eyes of yourself and your children, is you have to create a mindset in which you can be, you can be uh, um, conducive to that growth. So if I know that if I change my mindset in whatever area that I need in my life, I know I could change my world. Hmm. What does success mean to you? Success to me is when it's all said and done, when I'm no longer here, what people ultimately say about how I influence them. Hmm. It's not about a dollar. It's not about what I can build or what I can't build. It's the lives that I can impact because that is what people can carry on. If I help you build a business and it, 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 it's done over years or you sell it, it's no longer an attachment to you. But if I can say one or two things to help you find your purpose through pain in life and it changes your life or it plants a seed that somebody else comes along and waters that seed and then that changes, that is everlasting. That's life impacting. Do you know and appreciate that you're saving people's lives through this? I don't see that I'm saving people's lives. I just, I just see that I'm just, I'm just a tool. I'm just a vessel being used. Mm. I'm just a vessel. That's all. Because the thing about saving people's life, and I know what you mean by the, by the, by the statement, but if I put myself into the aspect of believing I'm saving people's lives, then I also have to take the accountability that if I don't save people's lives. And then with that accountability comes the pressure of I have to perform. Hmm. What happens if I say something that doesn't change their life? Then it becomes manipulative. I just want to influence. I just want to plant a seed. Hmm. I just want to plant a seed. And then I just pray that that seed gets watered somewhere else. That's all. That, that's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful perspective. Uh, Joseph, you've shared so much about you, your journey, um, this methodology of healing, the, the, the forgiveness, the goals. Um, any, any lost words, anything you want to make sure that we hear from you before we go? We've all heard the saying about don't let your past dictate your future. You know, and there, it's a very true statement, okay? But yet we can allow our past or the pain of our past to bring not only healing to ourselves but to healing to other people. Don't be captive. Don't let pain be the glue that gets you stuck. Mm. Let it be what catapults you into your life, into your destiny. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Purpose through pain. Look, we know we all have pain. I have it. We all experience it. 
and we can create our purpose with it. Uh, Joseph, thank you so much for being with us. Truly grateful. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm truly honored. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.